You are now listening to Home Care On Air, brought to you by Care Academy. Strap in as we dive headfirst into the future of home care and the issues, challenges, and opportunities facing home care operators in a post-pandemic world. Welcome. My name is Aaron Dunn, SVP of Marketing for Care Academy, the industry's leading provider of care enablement solutions designed to manage your agency's training and compliance requirements. In today's edition, we will explore how agencies are successfully recruiting and retaining caregivers in an incredibly competitive environment. We will join a conversation that I recently held with Pete Morrissey, home care leader and owner of Right at Home of Gainesville, Georgia. In it, Pete shares a number of key steps he is taking to recruit new caregivers into the market and to ensure that his care team has the supports they need to deliver high-quality care. Pete has a long career at a number of technology company heavyweights before he joined the home care industry. He brings that knowledge and expertise to his operation each day. I learned a ton from our conversation, and I trust that you will too. Enjoy the discussion. Um, Good afternoon, everyone, and good morning. Uh, My name is Pete Morrissey. I'm the owner and operator of uh, Right at Home Northeast Georgia. So, uh, we operate uh, north of Atlanta um, up to the essentially the um, North Carolina border. Um, the agency itself has been in operation for about a dozen years, um, and we bought this uh, the agency about two years ago. So it's well established, uh, and you know in the uh, in the area. Great. Well. Um... Pete and I were joking earlier uh, about all of the the old school retro things that we're doing here uh, on this particular chat today. Uh, but I think we're just going to go with we've had a lot of Zoom over the last 18 months. So uh, you'll get to see our smiling faces here instead. Um, so you, you, I appreciate the, the 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 quick overview there, Pete. And again, thanks for the time and thanks for uh, thanks for your partnership. Um, maybe you could share a little bit about some of the some of the clients that you serve, some of the services that you provide and, and, and really can how many clients um um, where you are, sort of north of north of Atlanta. Sure. So, uh, so first in Georgia, uh, we're we are licensed. That's a requirement in the state of Georgia. Uh, we offer non-skilled care. So uh, for so essentially uh, home health aides, companion services, and we service uh, three constituents: our private pay clients, um, our veterans, uh, veteran clients, and also. Uh, we were approved uh, just this year for uh, to start offering Medicaid clients. So there are two programs that we service in the state of Georgia. Well, congratulations on that. I know it's a big deal for you guys. Um, you know, you have a kind of an interesting background, Pete. So I'd love to know, hear a little bit more about kind of how you landed in this industry. Um, <clears throat> what drew you to the industry and, and what you what drew you to write at home uh, the franchise yeah. specifically? Yeah, sure, Aaron. Yeah, I, I'd say a little bit of an eclectic background, um, but it, it it sort of makes sense, uh, you know, in that you know, first I went to school at West Point. Uh, I was uh, branched aviation, so I flew uh, helicopters for a number of years for Uncle Sam. And then uh, post-military, I was with Pfizer for seven years. Um, I was part of the initial uh, life sciences group at IBM. Um, and so I think that it sort of helped in, in you know, uh, me and from a healthcare perspective to start re- really learning the healthcare ecosystem. Um, and then later in my career, um, I was in private equity. Uh, I was at uh, vice dean at Columbia Business School. And then was at a point in my life where I really wanted to be closer to home, not travel as much. Um, 
And, you know, it was a little bit serendipitous about, you know, why right at home? We actually needed um, services for my wife's father. Um, he was, uh, you know, late in his, later in his life and needed care. And so we actually, um, you know, found a right at home uh, because we, we needed that help, um, you know, from a consumer perspective. And so then about 18 months later, there was an opportunity to uh, purchase, uh, you know, the right at home business we have now. And it just seemed a really good fit. Uh, my wife uh, had worked at Merck, uh, worked at the American Red Cross. And then I think having, you know, been a participant in the ecosystem in terms of needing help for her dad, uh, it just felt like a really good fit. And it, and it has been. We, we feel, you know, being part of the community, the fabric of the community, as a veteran, to be able to, to service uh, fellow veterans, um, you know, the mission felt really good and easy um, to internalize for us. Yeah, that's great. That story, I think, really resonates across uh, the audience. So I think I think quite a few people who get into this business have that same sort of personal story, personal journey. And um, so, you know, kudos to you for 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 making that leap. So two years in, anything uh, anything sort of surprised you? Uh, anything uh, you didn't didn't expect, or you're pleasantly surprised about? You didn't expect a global pandemic, I'm sure of that. No, I, I think our, our our timing was horrific in that you know we bought <laughs> it in December of 19, and then the pandemic started a few months later, but you know, I think one of the first things I would share in terms of surprise is just the um, sort of the, the resiliency of our caregivers and our staff is that, you know, no one, you know, could have predicted what happened. Uh, we're still in the midst of this. Uh, we're learning how to better navigate through it. But I, I think resiliency is something that has been so impressive to me. And as you shared, Aaron, you know, each of us who's doing this has some personal uh, story, right? There's a lot of things that we could do in life, but I think that resiliency is really manifested from, you know, each of that, that the personal stories that we bring and, you know, why we're in the industry. So that's been a really pleasant surprise. Um, you know, I think th there hasn't been a lot of, you know, oh my gosh, didn't expect this. Um, it, it, um, it, it, with the exception of course, of the pandemic, but otherwise I think it's, you know, part of our diligence was, uh, you know, making sure we talk to a lot of other owners, both within, you know, this right at home business system, outside the business, you know, other folks to really get a sense of, of what we were getting into. And so, no, no I would not say there have been any major surprises. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so, you know, I know that you are uh, WellSky users. Um, was that a decision that you made to bring in or was it already in the in, in the works um, or already part of the business when you joined? And, um, you know, what have you seen um, from using that platform that sort of helped you with your business? Yeah. So first, I would say I, I wanted to share a little bit of my background. I'm, I'm you know, process driven, process oriented. So WellSky or ClearCare. So I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have some mistakes. <laughs> Um, we'll put a dollar but, in the jar every time we screw it up. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it was already, um, you know, uh, resident here within the company. Um, but I'm not, you know, wedded to a, a specific tool or requirement. Um, but what we have found is that it's a very robust platform. Um, and as we get into the conversation a little bit more deeply, I, what I really like is how, you know, you're able to integrate, you know, a lot of other tool sets within you know WellSky ClearCare. So that was a, a you know really important to me. I go back, I look for corollaries of my business career and I look at 
what we're able to accomplish with WellSky. It's sort of like at IBM, where we had a really strong middleware layers. We had a lot of, uh, of partners that could utilize the platform. And I look at it in a very similar fashion here that it's very robust um, in terms of both, you know, helping to service clients uh, and caregivers. Yeah. And that's, you know, those are your two most important assets, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, the ability to integrate other tools and other tool sets. Uh, we'll talk about Care Academy and training in a second, but are there other tools that you've integrated so far? I don't know if you're using any kind of applicant tracking systems or to help you in your recruiting or um, anything else that uh, that you found particularly useful that you've been able to integrate. Yeah, so I'll, you know, kind of talk about, you know, from an operational perspective, we have integrated uh, billing systems, uh, third-party payers, which has been, again, very helpful just in terms of efficiency uh, for ACH credit card. So that's part of the integration system. Uh, Career plug has been something that helps accelerate, um, you know, onboarding process and assimilation of caregivers. So, um, and I also like that uh, we, we use, um, you know, the state of Georgia has a, a, a very defined uh, criteria in terms of background checks. So unfortunately that's not a system that we're able to integrate, but for the DMV checks, uh, we do use an integrated tool set. So all of that, you know, to be able to have the power of touch, you know, push a button to be able to access, you know, some of the the non-WellSky systems has really been, uh, I think, one of the advantages that I've seen in terms of business process, really helping to, you know, streamline our business approaches so we can focus on what we talk about a lot is working, you know, in the business and on the business uh, to, you know, improve efficiencies. Got it. Uh, super helpful. So, turning now to you know to to Care Academy and, and how you're using and how you're thinking about training as part of your recruitment and onboarding processes and and supporting your clients. If I have my timing right, it looks like you uh, made a decision to 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 add you know Care Academy for your training stacks like sort of June of last year. Um, were you using something before? You don't have to name a company, but like, you know, what was the impetus for sort of making a change and and, and, and sort of in the in the height of the pandemic, I guess? <laughs> yeah. um, were you doing on-site training before and wanted to move online? What was the sort of the driver there for you? That's that's exactly right, Aaron. Is I think you know inventions oftentimes is the mother of necessity, or however that saying goes. But you know, we're early in the pandemic. We we had you know historically had done you know quarterly on sites, uh, mm -hmm. monthly uh, you know nurse um, CUE training, and so all that dissipated very very quickly. So we're in a position where, um, notwithstanding that it's a requirement of the state, I think more importantly is just ensuring that we're continuing to deliver you know, efficient and effective training for the benefit of our caregivers, we surveyed the horizon and um, we were impressed with Care Academy early on um, and we continue to be so. And I think one of the biggest, you know, we went into this in terms of, you know, acquiring a platform of really looking at it through the eyes of the caregiver. And so one of the things that was most important and impressive and continues to be for us uh, is that Care Academy is integrated right into uh, ClearCare uh, or WellSky, but right into the, the ClearCare Go app. So a caregiver is able to access their required training right in the ClearCare Go app itself. It's seamless to the caregiver. Uh, they're not going into another system to a website, having to worry about password resets. And that was really 
critical to us because I, I, I'm, I'm sure for a lot of the, the folks on the phone, uh, you know, there are varying levels of expertise from, an, you know, from a systems perspective or IT. And so we wanted to, you know, utilize a tool set that wasn't designed for, you know, the, the, those who have the most ease of using systems or even average, but those who might struggle. And so um, that's where Care Academy really was impressive to us in terms of the, how it's integrated, the ease of use, um, and that was a, a core component. And so, yes, we launched it in the middle of the pandemic, but it also allowed us to, um, you know, to have something very positive for our caregivers in terms of engagement around training when we were largely prohibited from face to face. So it allowed us to, you know, to re-engage in a way that we felt was very meaningful. Well, which is, yeah, as you mentioned, sort of in that moment, I'm sure it was very important. So, you know, one of the things that we talked about the other day was sort of the importance of, you know, being seen as an employer of choice and how that's helping you, uh, you know, with your recruiting. I, 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 if we could do a virtual show of hands, you know, of all the people on this call, you know, probably 80% on this call are, are sort of faced with the same challenge, which is like, you know, how do I find enough caregivers? How do I keep the caregivers that I have? Um, yeah. How do I support my clients and expand that um, uh, in the face of, you know, everything that's happening in our in our culture broadly right now and our society broadly? Um, so I'd love to dig into that a little bit. Um, you know, how how have you really thought about that caregiver culture and how have you thought about setting yourselves up as an employer of choice where people want to go work for? And maybe you're drawing people away from from other agencies or other independence off the street or people who haven't even been in the industry. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and you know, we I think we're all facing this. Right. And so I would say one thing is internally we've chosen to not say we're in this caregiver shortage so we're living through it, but we don't speak that way. What we say is, what are the things that we can proactively do to be that provider of choice, that partner of choice, and to make it meaningful? So a couple of things that I would share with you, Aaron, that we have you know, tried to be definitive about. Um, as I shared earlier, I'm very process-driven. I believe in benchmarks and KPIs. And so one of the things that um, I, a benefit of right at home from a corporate perspective was able to get a set of benchmarks across, you know, a myriad set of KPIs, one of which was um, turnover rate. And so uh, what we do within our uh, business is we, from those benchmarks, we strive, to, you know, not to be average, but to be best in class, knowing we'll fail in many of those, uh, you know, attributes. But if that's what we strive for, then we're probably going to lift the, you know, boat overall. And so one of the areas we really focused on is we were average uh, in terms of uh, caregiver turn- turnover in the first 90 days. And so we took a step back and, you know, after some analysis, we went through a, a, a Kaizen. It's a it's a, actually a really enriching approach in terms of, you know, discerning business problems and coming up with solutions. But one of the significant outcomes of doing that analysis was we decided to create a specific position solely focused on the caregiver in the early days of his or her tenure with the company. So we call the position caregiver coordinator. And what we're trying to do is is have is to improve touch points uh, and, and really improve the onboarding and assimilation process. So the role is designed to be uh, a positive feel good. It's not dealing with call outs. It's not dealing with caregiver issues. There are other folks on the team who you know deal with that from a day-to-day basis. But this role is really focused on how can we improve the ecosystem you know, for the benefit of the caregiver. And so um, 
The early data is encouraging. We've actually have significantly decreased our uh, 90-day turnover rate by about 40%, which is stunning to us. Um, and I think the data is still early, but what we know is that we have, by investing in this particular position, we have increased our touch points. Uh, we're getting much better feedback. We have a system of using a, a, a Google Doc where uh, if the caregiver coordinator is, is evidencing something, it's assigned to a staff member, and then there's a, a you know a due date where that action has to be completed, so that we're trying to again to you know deliver excellence for the benefit of the caregiver. Um, and we also um, have launched. I'm sure there are, you know again the owners who are on the and, and team members who are on the call. You know there are myriad programs out there, but we really have also focused on you know, having a, you know, a, a benefits package that's meaningful to our caregivers, uh, having uh, PTO policies that are meaning, meaningful to caregivers um, and recognizing them, you know, for their performance. So, and, and tying that into things that are important for the company. So, for example, we have a, a monthly caregiver raffle. Not everyone is eligible. You're only eligible if you've completed a requisite number of coursework, uh, hours of coursework within Care Academy. And if you've done that, then you're eligible for the raffle. Um, but what it has done is, I think, is sort of helped raise the the, the level of engagement overall. And um, where we could think we're doing a better job, the, the data itself is showing us that, yes, the, the caregiver turnover is improving. Um, and we're just going to you know, keep that, you know, that level of sustained engagement, which we think is critical. Another part of your question was, you know, you know, who are the caregivers that we're looking to hire? And I've long, it's just a personal bias, but uh, we are not wedded that we have to hire someone who has come from the industry or who comes with experience. What we're more interested in is do they bring the requisite qualities and hallmarks of what will make a good caregiver? And then we can, you know, we can help improve skills. We can put them in situations where their skill set can grow over time, given the, you know, myriad number of customers where we have or clients that we have and the, the type of needs they have. So I think another thing we've done in terms of is really, you know, open the scope of who we are looking to hire. Of course, folks who, who bring requisite experience or relevant experiences is fantastic, but we also are very excited to talk to folks who have an interest in a personal story for why they want to get into the industry. And we found the really good early successes with that approach also. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. Um, I think I've talked to a number of folks in the industry and some agencies are take your approach, which is, hey, you know what? We need to expand the number of you know, the, the, the pool of people that we can bring in and other agencies are maybe a little bit more reticent. What, have you done anything different to support people who are new to the industry as they come on boarding or um, to make sure that they have a, you know, a high quality experience. Sort of that's the first question. And the second question is, where do you go find these people? You mentioned sort of qualities, interest, personal stories. So is that an Indeed ad? That's probably a pretty interesting Indeed ad. Or is that sort of going out and, and, and doing something more in the community? Yeah. So the, the first is, you know, what are we doing to try to, you know, um, have, you know, demonstrable evidence that we're having, we're supporting more strongly for maybe for a caregiver who doesn't have, you know, that typical, you know, that, you know, that historical experience. So a couple of things. I've talked already about the caregiver coordinator. Uh, we also created a position called caregiver trainer. So what we do for that, let's say, you know, inexperienced caregiver, once he or she's gone through the requisite training and is now qualified to be out on the field, 
uh, we've made an investment in that and in that role also, where that first shift, um, that new caregiver has a, a highly skilled and qualified caregiver with him or her. And so what we're seeing actually is it's had it's actually had uh, multiplicative benefits because it makes that, you know, the less experienced caregiver feel much more comfortable in terms of how do I go into the client for the first time? Uh, how am I introduced? So I'm not alone. I have a really qualified partner. And what we didn't expect in terms of a, another benefit is the clients love it because what we're able to say with the client is you're, you're meeting another caregiver. Um, it may be the case that if it were Pete, for example, if Pete, you know, your primary caregiver is not available, then it, perhaps it could be, you know, um, you know, uh, Mary, who's here today to help coach, train and guide. And so it just helps build cohesion and confidence from both the, the new caregiver perspective and also from a client perspective. So, you know, so that's, uh, you know, I think two you know, differentiating vectors that we've implemented is having that role of the caregiver coordinator that I described earlier, and then having that new person engage, you know, with an experienced caregiver on that ship. Understanding it's a, it's a, you know, it's nonprofit, non-profitable for us, but in terms of the longer run, what we've seen tremendous benefit in terms of, you know, I think accelerated uh, engagement and assimilation of that new caregiver, um, you know, into new environments. That's great. You sort of answered one of my follow-ups is like, how do you afford that? <laughs> but maybe you can't afford not to. Well, you know, I, if I go back again, I, you know, I, I've developed a, a five-year business model. We, we, we look at it, you know, routinely. Uh, but what I would share with you without going into a lot of detail is that, um, you know, we had a very aggressive growth target um, in the, our first year of ownership. And the second year, we'll exceed those growth targets uh, and, ma and maintain the margins that we have set. So, again, we're, um, I think you said it correctly, Aaron, is that it, it, to, in my mind, it's, some, it's you know, failure to invest upfront uh, would have caused higher turnover and would have been the, the typical spiral that we had been, you know, that this business had been seeing. So, yes, it's, it's extra cost upfront. But I think the cost we're seeing is, is, you know, justified very, very quickly. So the return on that investment up front is, is really paying dividends very, very quickly. Yeah, that, that's great. You know, um, another agency that we've talked to talks about uh, caregiver mentors for people who are just starting out with them as another way. So it sounds similar to, to, the, to the coordinator idea, which I think, I think is really, really great idea and, and, and a lot of different ways to come at that. But um, it's great that you're, you're seeing results. And so, you know, one of the questions uh, that, that came up from the audience is, is actually around, um, you know, your caregiver coordinator. So you created the role. How did you go find that? Did you find somebody from within the business to go do that? Or did you have to go recruit that uh, from the market? Um, tell us a little about how you were able to, to source sure. that. Sure. So, yeah. so I, um, <laughs> I, I had a, a manager a long time ago, and I won't share how long ago, but a long time ago, who, you know, had some, some good advice. And he, he said, Pete, you know, if you hire and if you interview uh, 10 dogs for a position and you hire the top dog, you still hired a dog. And so, you know, that's really it resonated, resonated with me long ago and still does today. And so um, to answer your question, um, we uh, just we developed a job description. Uh, we posted it internally within the company. Uh, and then posted it on all the, you know, the, well, so all the, the usual suspects in terms of the job boards. Uh, but to answer your question, we cast a really wide net. And so for that role, 
uh, we actually um, looked at over 200 resumes. And so we were you know, kind of blown away just in terms of the volume of resumes. Um, but we um, really applied, we, we believe, a, a diligent process of, of going into this a priori and meaning we didn't have a presumed uh, solution of, of what the outcome was going to be. We wanted to cast a wide net uh, and we wanted to bring someone in um, who we felt obviously was going to be the right and best fit. And it's interesting that, and, and I know it's part of my bias, there's no question in that, but I, I highly value um, team members who bring relevant experiences that are not specific in, in home care or health care, but may have relevant experiences that you know they can bring because it, it allows them to look at a problem perhaps through a different lens. And so you know, that's exactly what we were able to do is we, the person who's in the role uh, had done fundraising, had done a lot of, of client services. Um, and that was really, it was, was, was important to us as we delved into this, as we really looked at this role as a customer service, the customer being the caregiver. And so by casting that wide net, being pretty prescriptive in what we were looking for in terms of attributes, it really helped us you know, hone in on who we felt was going to be the right and best person. Great. Thanks for sharing that. I'd love to sort of come back to thoughts on finding people who are new to the industry, um, who might make good caregivers. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't think I'm going to share anything earth shattering, but there might be a pearl or two here. So one thing that we really doubled down on is the old adage of the best referrals come from within. And so, um, you know, we have, you know, have reinforced our referral bonus program. In fact, you know, Aaron, it's, it's ironic. I was just speaking with a caregiver about an hour before the call today. And I said, you know, can you just share with me again, our referral program, you know, bonus and, and she couldn't, you know, it didn't roll off her tongue. And I said, that's a, you know, that's a shortcoming of us as a team. And when I shared that with her, she's like, oh my gosh, I, you know, immediately have someone in mind. So we have tried, and, and we obviously by the example I'm sharing, we've got work to do, but that internal referral program has been very helpful to us. Um, we have been working more diligently with our local CNA schools, and while they're in high demand, uh, what we are doing very specifically, I was afforded an opportunity to, to sit on one of the boards of one of our local CNA schools. Um, but what we tend to do is it used to be that I would go in and talk about it. But now we go in with a different team of, um, of um, former caregivers who are staff members now. Um, my wife, who is co-owner, uh, has been a caregiver. She's a, a Red Cross certified first aid instructor. So we try to you know, talk to prospective uh, CNA students at, you know, from a perspective of you know, through, their, through their lens. Um, as a corollary to that, Aaron, I would share also that we are uh, have launched a um, tuition reimbursement program that has also, through word of mouth, has grown. And we've gotten folks who are were interested, were working for other companies and saying, wow, you can help me get my CNA license. Um, I'm more interested in being here. So the thread I'm on now is that we want to be seen in our community as the provider of choice. And it's not just about is our pay rate higher. It's about do we have the culture and the approach where we were, I talk consistently and constantly with our caregivers that we hold our clients in the highest regard and they all nod in affirmation, say, of course we do. And I say, 
And we also hold you, our caregivers, in that same high regard. One without the other, we don't have a business. And so, you know, we, we try to, you know, live that example. And what we talk about internally is, you know, if the decision we're about to make as a staff member, if that's not a benefit, if you can't answer immediately yes to the question, will this benefit our caregiver or our client? If the answer is not a definitive yes, then probably pause on what you're about to do and ask yourself why. Um, the next thread I would say is we're working much more closely with our uh, employment centers of the Department of Georgia Labor Department. They have been wonderful sponsors for us. I won't say that it's, you know, has increased the, um, you know, the top of the funnel in terms of applicants by 30 percent. But what it has done is it has increased it by about 10 percent, uh, which is not trivial in today's environment in terms of, you know, finding another uh, potential source of, of caregivers for us. And then, of course, all the typical, you know, the Indeed, the MyCNA job where everybody is. So and then the last thread is, uh, you know, I'm a strong advocate of communities. And so what we look at within our caregiver pool are communities. And so where we have perhaps a, a community that uh, we think that we can do a better job of or should be doing a better job of accessing in the marketplace I'm asking our caregivers for their help and their insights. And would they be willing to make inroads? Would they, do they go to any meetings? Do they go to any social or religious events? And are, would they be willing to advocate for us? So that's not with every caregiver, but for the select ones that we've engaged with, what we're seeing is much stronger inroads to very select communities. And that's been you know, really refreshing and rewarding to us to be, to have both the I'll call the broadcast approach uh, and also being trying to give some more rifle shots from a, a community driven perspective. Got it. No, that's great. Thanks for that detail. And, um, you know, I, I think that you know, the nuggets in there are useful, you know, earth shattering, you know, who knows, but I think that the, the, sometimes it's just, even if, if you don't feel like you're breaking your ground, um, it's good to know if you're doing someone on the call is doing all those things and, you know, great, I'm not missing something, but I, I really like what you said there about um, sort of digging in and sort of engaging the community um, and finding people kind of where they're at. And uh, you mentioned that you would pay tuition reimbursement for CNAs. Is that a full reimbursement for their CNA training or partial or how have you structured that? And then um, great question. And we, and we struggled with it, right? Because we, you know, I'm a firm believer in edit versus compose, right? I think there's some wonderful examples out there already. So, you know, we gathered a lot of data about different approaches, some that worked, some that didn't. So to answer your question, you know, the, one of the biggest things we had to overcome was, you know, how would we, you know, be willing to pay for someone's education and then make sure we, you know, could, re, you know, retain them, you know, albeit, yes, you can sign all the legal documents, but I wasn't interested in going back and, and trying to, you know, recapture money for funds we paid. So pretty simple uh, approach and straightforward in that, that we will um, contribute up to 50% of what the CNA uh, tuition is, and the way that that 50% tuition is, you know, remitted to our uh, caregiver, to our employees, that they finish the school, and then uh, we have a contract where we have an agreed two dollar amount that they're reimbursed, and as long as they go to school, they come back and they're employed by us, then they are remitted that on a weekly basis. So our view is, if if the school, I'll make it up. If it's a thousand dollars, our commitment is five hundred. And you receive that 500 on a over, you know, a on a weekly basis. And as long as you're gainfully employed, 
you'll receive it. Um, and if you choose to go work somewhere else, then we perhaps we've reimbursed for you know a month's worth of, of school. But that's that's what it is. So, you know, I'm not saying it's perfect, Darren, but what we felt yeah. is it's a, it's a good way. The caregivers understand that, yes, I've got to put the money up front. I know the company is going to offset 50 percent of that as long as I continue working with them. And it's been a pretty good uh, engagement so far. Oh, that's great. That, that's great. And maybe we can just remind, I know we covered it at the very beginning, but as a few people joined late, just remind folks, um, how many locations do you have and how many uh, direct care workers do you have on staff? Yeah, great question. So uh, we operate uh, north of, of Metro Atlanta, so northeast Georgia, and we have out, um, I don't want to get totally specific, but I'll say yeah, a, a hundred clients and about 120 caregivers. Got it. That's great. This certainly helps people sort of sort of map your scale to their scale, I'm sure. Yeah. Looking ahead to 2022, what's the biggest issue sort of right in front of you um, as you look ahead to next year? Well, I think it, it's uh, it's the obvious is are we going to see, you know, any diminution of, of the pandemic? You know, we're getting ready to hit, you know, cold and flu season again. Um, so obviously that's there. I would tell you from from a personal perspective, we have aggressive growth goals again. I, you know, our investment thesis for purchasing purchasing the business, you know, two years ago uh, remain uh, intact. In fact, that you know have been accelerated, frankly, and because of COVID, we all know more and more folks want to be at home. Um, I don't know who knows what legislatively what will happen. Um, but to answer your question, you know, what we're planning for is a, a pretty aggressive revenue growth target in 2022. And what are we doing to, you know, to meet that requirement from a caregiver perspective? We've done a lot of work on what I'll call the internal plumbing operationally. We're, we're now poised, you know, for a lot for top line growth. We have a pretty good model to scale that in terms of our uh, internal costs. It's now just doing a continuing to refine and access, you know, more and more caregivers. So I'm, you know, I'm really bullish right now, Aaron. And you know, given the last two years of of growth that we've demonstrated, that's in the books. Uh, I'm really bullish on on you know where the future is heading. Uh, particularly that we just added another, you know, uh, you know, arrow in the quiver from a revenue source. Um, so. You know, it's going to be caregiver access uh, to support our significant growth that we've seen and continue to anticipate. And that closes today's podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to you, our listeners. Please visit www.careacademy.com to learn more. Be sure to subscribe for future updates wherever you get your podcasts and five-star reviews are always appreciated. 